Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back. This is Game Store Profits, the show where geeks talk about God. This is episode 20. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. How are you today, Mike? Tonight, I'm actually? good. I'm, I'm very good. Uh, yeah, it is a crazy weekend, a very busy weekend, but I just spent the past several hours gaming with a whole bunch of new gamers, one of whom is my fiance. Yes, the Victoriana, the Victoriana game finally had its first session. Oh, geeks in love. Oh, they, it was so fun. It, it was really entertaining to watch them because at the very beginning, they all just kind of looked at me like, well, what am I supposed to do? And by the time we were done, my fiance's character had a, a fight with one of the NPCs and, and the one girl was like, "Like I, I get my knife ready, and I'm about ready to kill this cop because they were they were basically trapped as they had tried to break into this building." And yeah, so they went they went from absolutely no idea what to do to totally going off my script. <laughs> I, I love it. People who've never played a game at all, and uh, within a couple hours, they're ye old cop killers. Uh, so that, that that's pretty cool. It, it was really, it was really fun because they already are starting to talk about what they want to do for next session, and they're already like, "Okay, we need like we're done for this session, but but next time we get together, we have to go back to that room and see what's going on with that woman that was there that we didn't get to talk to." And you know, so it, yeah, it's it's really fun. It definitely goes to prove out what we say on this show. Once you get an imagination and unhinge it, good things happen. Good things happen. Yeah, definitely it. It it was interesting just to to see what kind of things they latched onto and which kind of uh like I I tried to like put seeds of, you know, go here and do this and there were other people like there was one uh one person that was on my future sister in law's contact list was uh I I didn't have much of a character on her sheet. I just I just called her an uh it's she's basically an elf, but in this game they're called Eldrin. So all I put down was that she was an Eldrin socialite. Like she was an upper class Eldrin woman who liked to go to parties. Like that was that was her character. And uh I I just kind of threw her on there as a, you know, just a fun little side character. Well, apparently she became a major plot point person because they went to go see her because the guy they're looking for um is kind of a party animal and he's been missing and so they're like Oh well, clearly she'd probably be hanging out with him. She's an upper class elf who likes the party as well. And I'm like, yes, that does That's make an sense. Plan. <laughs> that 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 is wonderful. And now I'm going to have to off the cuff come out with the fact that this woman is going to tell you where to go next. <laughs> if you excuse me for just a moment, I need to use the restroom. I'll be back. Well, it's funny because I at some point I explained to them. I go, you guys all went off script at one point or another. And they're like, where? I said, and I just told her lots of things. And I go, I go, yeah, and that trip to Jocelyn's house? Yeah, that was completely off the cuff, because I did not expect her to come in at this point. And they, they all just looked at me, and they're like, that's crazy, because you were doing so well. <laughs> well played, Mike Perna. Well played. Well, I mean, it all comes down to just, you know, we keep talking about the nature of story. We keep talking about... You know, you try to put yourself in the, the shoes of these characters, that these characters um, exist beyond the point of, you know, the very flat surface level of a story. And, you know, that's what I do. I just, I come up with the type of person they are. I come up with, you know, what kind of, you know, the kind of outlook they have towards the world. And then I just say, okay, uh, if we put that kind of outlook in this situation, 
you get this. <laughs> Very cool. So you, the game has finally begun. How often are you going to be playing this game? Uh, it's hard to say with the wedding coming yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, you got in... the whole wedding thing. That's going to throw things off. Yeah, we got the wedding coming up, and one of our uh, one of our players is going on an extended missions trip to the Dominican Republic, uh, probably in about the middle of June. And so, marriage, it'll be- service to God, all of these things just getting in the way of gaming. How annoying! I know, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, that, the cool thing about it is, is that through several conversations I've had with people in church lately, um, I've discovered that there is a growing closet geek. Uh, collective going on at our church because people have overheard me talking about games and every time I do somebody pops out of the woodwork and say oh man I, I, it's either I always wanted to get into gaming or oh man I used to game all the time but I don't have anybody right. to play with Yeah, I, you know I think almost anywhere you go you find those people if you're willing to show yourself if you're willing to uh, out yourself a little bit yeah, it it a lot of it just comes down to being in the right place at the right time and talking to people about it because I mean, like we've said so many times, I think there's a lot of people out there that that they are geeks but they don't know how to connect with other geeks and they even feel almost weird about being a geek and being into this stuff. So, it it's kind of cool when I can be part of, you know, connecting these these folks together and even like tonight, when I brought in a, t- a ton of new people who'd never gamed before, and uh, one of the one of the ladies looked at me and she goes, "I like this a lot," and so you know, I definitely I definitely think I created a couple gamers tonight. Oh, very cool. So what what have you been up to, Luke? I mean, at this point, we've we've already come through the craziness that is Easter, and I think it'd be you know yeah, remiss we, we of us do need to, to not get to Easter. And you know, I think it's it's a sh- sort of a one of the weird things about the way that we record this show, uh, one, we only do it every other week, and two, we do it more than a week ahead of the day that it actually airs, because it takes a while to edit, I'm, at, I'm doing multiple shows, and I just need that lead time. Unfortunately, it means it is really hard, unless we're really playing, paying very close attention, to make things timely. And we sort of missed Easter, and uh, so we'll definitely get to that today. Maybe a little bit late, I know, but we definitely want to spend some time talking about Easter. My life has been weird uh, <laughs> lately, and actually it kind of started a, a little bit before Easter, and uh, kind of a big moment in my life. Uh, both my daughters accepted Christ, um, but yeah, maybe, I saw maybe about that. a month ago was... now. Um, so obviously as a parent, that's a, that's a huge moment. Uh, you know, and they're they're young. Uh, they're not too young, but they're young, and I, I understand that they will have probably multiple experiences in their life where they commit themselves to Christ. Hopefully, but just to to have that one experience happen and to be there with my wife and and both my daughters at the same time, and and it to be all them. You know, it's not something we asked them to do. It's not something that that we we push them to do. They know who we are. They know how we believe. And they decided that was something they wanted to do. And uh, so, yeah, that was really special. And that coming just prior to Easter, which, as it happens, is when I came to Christ. Uh, Mm. 17, 18, however long ago, years ago it was. (laughs) Uh, Golly, I hope it was only seven. I don't know how long. It was a long time ago. And, uh, uh, you know, I came to Christ uh, the week before Easter, which also happened to be Passover week that year 
And I didn't know it, of course, at the time. I just happened to walk into the building on that day. And so for my daughters to come to Christ in such a close time frame as I did was a, was a pretty special thing. Uh, since then, you know, I, things have been, this is actually spring break week for us. Uh, so I was away for part of the week uh, off learning how to cut up some, well, large animals, actually. <laughs> I was going to say small, but they're really not. And uh, then the grandparents were here for a while. And now the kids are off at the grandparents' house. So, you know, the mice are away, so the cats are going to kind of play a little bit. Uh, you know, you know. as much as you love your children, there's always a time when you just want to be like, can you just go somewhere, you know, not I, here? <laughs> I, and, and I'm a stay-at-home dad, so I, you know, I have a very different perspective on children than most men do. Uh, you know, most guys, it would horrify them to have to spend hours upon hours by themselves with their kids. They just don't have that skill set. Uh, but having done this for years and years now, the truth of the matter is kids are not hard. They're constant. Right. And it's that just that ongoing, every single day, caring for somebody. It's nice to have grandparents show up every now and again and take them away. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so, But we do actually kind of miss them. We'll be heading, uh, heading out tomorrow morning to go and pick them up and bring them back and get back into life. Uh, so, yeah, that's me. That's very cool. All right, so we missed Easter. We did miss Easter. I, I, I really do feel kind of bad about that. It is a fairly significant moment in the uh in the christian year and and we kind of missed it uh so what did you do for easter this year let me t- let me do you do the sunrise services out there in new jersey is that a thing or do you have any other special well, traditions I, I that are kinda, specific to you or to your church i i kind of want to go you know answer that in its fullest spectrum yes sunrise services do exist no they are not a part of my tradition at all <laughs> Says the guy who is currently recording a podcast um, tomorrow. At yeah, yeah. So yeah, sunrise. I I got invited to a sunrise service and politely said no. I have no plans on getting up that early. Now, uh, Sunday morning was spent uh, at church. It, Susan and I went to church. You know, the standard kind of standard. Um, I I do. Like normally, I'm definitely a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy at church, just because that's that's how our church is. That's how I am, and so that's kind of how I come to God. But there's something about getting dressed up on Sunday morning for Easter, and so I did kind of. I, I was rocking a tie, which is something I rarely do, and uh, I don't it was kind of cool. Have a tie. <laughs> I'm sure I've got one many. somewhere. I don't have many. But um, I did. I did. I, dust I think that somebody off. has to die for me to wear a tie. Yeah. I, I, well, funerals, weddings, that kind of thing. That's when I wear ties. That's about it. Yeah. Well, I I, I dusted mine off for Sunday, and it was it was kind of cool. It was it was a good. Is I mean, it's weird because I can't say it was good because at the same point I really do get uncomfortable when I dress up. But at the same point, there's just something. It's Easter. It's just something. Something ingrained in me that says you should, you know, at least kind of dress up for that. Okay, so that's interesting. When was that ingrained in you? Oh, uh, I mean, ever ever since I was a little kid, you know, that was always something that, like, back in the day, I was a, I was a CNE Christian, which means I showed up to church on Christmas right. and Easter. Okay. And, uh, it, yeah, you always just, you got dressed up for, for Easter. You just did. Hmm. 
and it's one of the few things that I think actually did stick into my head. Um, one of the very few things that stuck into my head about church back when you know when I was a kid. Um, it it's just something about it. I don't know. I I can't explain it. I can't point to a this is where I came up with the idea that you dress up for Easter, but it's just something that it's always made sense in my head. You know, I think that's interesting because what what that points to is the fact that that all of us, even if we are believers, and even if I, I don't mean to set us apart, but you and I, Mike, we're believers who have spent a, a disproportionate amount of time contemplating our belief. Oh yeah, we still have those ingrained folk values, and I think that's interesting. You know, I actually there's a connection here, and I realize that it's going to seem tenuous at first, but go with me. Been, I, I will travel with you on this journey. I have been thinking about your Victoriana game. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so, uh, and I, one of the things that I remember you telling me about this game, when you're kind of describing it, you were excited about getting to put it together and getting your, getting the gear for the game and, and getting your people together and, and starting to build this world and build this story, was that there's this faith, faith element to yes. the game. And lately I've been thinking, and I've been thinking a lot about Victorian England. Really, I've been thinking about life in the 1800s. Because frankly, I don't actually know when the Victorian period is. I, I could look it up, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, but I do know that I could I could I could spout out the years, but that that's beyond the point. But the, you know, during this period of the 1800s, it's a time that a lot of us we kind of dig, right? We dig whether it's the real version or a steampunk version or the sort of fanciful version that we've created of the real version. Mm-hmm. We love this period of time, and I was thinking about why do I love this so much? Why do I love these authors, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and, and all of the like? Why do I? Why do I wish that I was born during this time when they didn't have showers? Right? I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not, you know. Uh, but I, I think I figured out why, and that is this was a period in time when people just wanted knowledge. Yeah, and there wasn't this conflict about where the knowledge came from, right? You know, and right now, I would say that we have, right, you have scientific knowledge. Yep. Which, for, you call it empirical knowledge. Knowledge based on facts and testing and trials and, and evidence. And, of course, we have our religious knowledge, which I guess you could call non-empirical knowledge. Right. It's knowledge based on faith, both of which we believe, or I, I believe at least, grant us a certain degree of certainty. Oh, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. But there is that also, that, that other, another set of knowledge, that folk knowledge, you know? And it's the stuff that we're just not sure about. It's not divine, it's not revelation, and it's not science. It's all the weird stuff in the middle. And for me, that, that Victorian period just thrived on all the weird stuff in the middle, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, think about Arthur Conan Doyle. He was a spiritualist. Yes, he was. That's crazy to me. Could you imagine Stephen King saying, oh, I'm a spiritualist? Well, well yes, you can, I mean, because it's Tom Cruise, and people are going to say he's nuts. You can, you can find video of Arthur Conan Doyle talking in the same interview about how he came up with Sherlock Holmes and how he's a psychic. Yeah, and for them, there wasn't a... There was no difference. It was all the pursuit of knowledge. And I love, I love that. I don't even remember how I've gotten to this point in the conversation now. But, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, right. Uh, because 
you know, all of us bring to our Christianity a degree of folk knowledge. It's the stuff our parents taught us. It's the stuff our grandparents taught us. I mean, it's the way that you, you know, uh, my wife and my in-laws and my children had kind of a long conversation at lunch uh, this week while they were visiting about praying over meals and what that means. You know, right. we don't, I don't pray over meals because I'm a Christian. I pray over meals because somebody a long time ago started doing it. Right. And now we all do that. And so we have all of this folk knowledge. We were even talking, because uh, on Wednesday night, we had a Passover saver, Seder with the youth group kids. Um, and one of our leaders, uh, who is Jewish, she led the whole thing. And it was... It was really kind of interesting because she gets to the end of the Seder and she goes, if you haven't noticed, we ne- we never said grace for the food. It's because traditionally uh, Jewish families, they'll say grace after the meal mm. as opposed to beforehand. And, you know, that got a bunch of people talking about it. And we're like, you know what? There's never a point when, you know, you're reading through scripture and they say, you know, oh, yeah, then they sat and had lunch and they made sure that they prayed before they had it. No, this it's definitely not a scriptural thing. And yet it's a thing that, that could have potentially have a lot of value. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's my point, is that we, we often spend time, especially these days, fighting between the two primary sources of knowledge, science and revelation. Mm-hmm. And we get so caught up in that fight that we forget that there is all of this rich cultural heritage that we have that could be really, really informative to us. It is the wisdom of the ancients, so to speak. It is the that stuff that's passed down, that even when it filters through a family, in your case and in my case, that that di- weren't believers, there was still something that filtered through that said, Easter is special. Put on your good clothes. Yeah. You know, and I think I miss, I miss some of that folk knowledge stuff. And i uh, just been thinking about that a lot lately, and, you know, we have a podcast. So let's do, we can talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, where else are we going to talk about it? I I mean, there's so much to be, you know, talking about Easter, and you could always say the same things about Easter. I mean, I was talking with Susan the other day, and I was really intrigued by the way that our pastor talked about Easter. Instead of focusing on uh, some of the normal passages that one uh, talks about, he he actually focused on the uh, the road to Emmaus. No way. So did our pastor. Did he really? That's yeah, fun. That's crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I've never heard that be used as an Easter passage before. And, you know, it was great. And I said, I said, you have to do that because, I mean, our pastor has been at our church. This is, doesn't include all the ministry he's done, but he's been at our church for something like 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 years or something like that. So that means all those years he's been preaching an Easter message. So you can only pre- you can only preach the same message so many times, and you know it's it's just so many times we, we think about Easter and we try to think about it uh, the same way all the time. And I realize that there's so much to it. There's so much there in uh, in what God did here, and what you know what this holiday commemorates. And it's. I think a lot of times we get we get caught up in the the crazy stuff and not realize how important the holiday is. Like I even had somebody at work who is not only not a believer, who is actually a very 
angry atheist to the point where he has at some point looked at me and said, all Christians are idiots and tried to make it so that I didn't hate him because of it. I, you know, he looked at me and he goes, you know, I've been to church with my family a bunch of times and it just seems weird to me that people make such a big deal about Christmas and they never say anything about Easter. And the way I look at the story, I would think that Easter would have more significance to them, because isn't that kind of what, you know, makes everything important? And this is a guy who has rarely even looked at a Bible, let alone picked one up and read it. This is a guy who actively goes against, you know, anybody who follows God. And even he goes, you know, I think Easter is what really ties Christianity together, isn't it? Well, and I think, though, he makes a good point. Regardless of whether it is or is not the the pivotal point of our faith, I happen to think it is, but just setting that aside for the moment, we do tend to be, we tend to choose elements of the story and really hinge our faith on those elements of the story. Uh, you know, there are people who are Christmas Christian, and I don't mean in the sense that they only go on Christmas. I mean in the sense that for them, the incarnation is the defining element of their faith. I think that there are people who are, maybe we could call them Beatitudes Christians, or ministry era Christians, or whatever. They are the, the people who, whose focus is Jesus' ministry. There are Good Friday Christians. There are Easter morning Christians. And there are Pentecost Christians. And I probably guess there's probably Revelation Christians out there, too. Uh, it, I cite the, <laughs> the popularity of the Left Behind series. There you go, you know, uh, but it's ama- if you stop and think about it, where you see Jesus first, at what point during his life story you see him, really does tell you an awful lot about your faith. Like for me, mm. I am a beatitude, I'm a Sermon on the Mount Christian. I mean, I don't don't misunderstand me. I, I believe all the rest of this stuff too, but when I first think of Jesus, that's where I see him. You know, I'm definitely not somebody like my grandmother. My grandmother would be a cross, a Good Friday, Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. right? Because she's got that good Catholicism thing going. Yeah, a, a good Catholicism thing would definitely. I mean, even in the iconography, he's right. still on the cross, right? Absolutely, and so. Uh, you know, I think that's one way to kind of understand your faith in a way is how do you see Jesus? What, where in his life story do you see him? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's so many times that um, I'll forget. There's there's I want to make a, like a movie reference, but I can't remember what it is. It's uh, it, it was def- it was oh, it was that Will Ferrell movie with uh, when he was the NASCAR driver and he kept oh, praying to baby. G- yeah, he he kept praying to baby Jesus because he he always thought that that was the best Jesus was the baby Jesus. Right, exactly. Well, and I think a lot of people feel that way. That you know he is the the innocent Jesus. He's the easy Jesus. Whereas you know you're like me. I'm a let's get the Jesus in the chicken money changers butts. Jesus, that's the Jesus I want. Yeah, but you know I think that no matter where. You fall in that, no matter how you tend to see Jesus. Uh, it, it is, you know, it's almost impossible to go through that Easter week. And even if maybe your church doesn't do events on any given day during Easter week, you know, you have that moment on Good Friday when, you know, we're so busy, we maybe don't even realize it's Good Friday until just just a moment during the day. 
But you do, and you realize that, wait, Jesus died for me. Yeah. And, and then you have that moment when you remember, maybe it's not till you get there on Sunday morning, but whatever it is, you remember he died for me, but he ain't dead now. now. And uh, you know, there is something... There's something so beautiful. I I think that my favorite part of the entire church here is a real simple, he is risen, he is risen indeed. There's something just so, so much, that is our rallying cry. That That is what we are about. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I would, I would agree. Like, I, I think that Easter, Easter ties everything together for me. Easter is, um, I mean, you can even quote scripture where he says that if, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are the most foolish people on the planet. Um, that might be my paraphrase, but it's pretty close to what is actually spoken there. Hmm. I think one thing that, that kind of struck home to me was one year um, I, was, I was at DTS. One of my professors, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about Good Friday. And he's like, I hate the fact that people celebrate Good Friday. And obviously, the room full of, you know, seminarians is looking at him like, you know, he had two heads because we're supposed to celebrate Good Friday. He says, you don't understand what happened on Good Friday. Good Friday was when the man that an entire generation of people thought, this is our Messiah who has come to kick out the oppressors. This is our our warrior king. And even the people who believed that, that this man is God saw him die. And so they were forced to question everything they had come to believe in. They were forced to to question whether they had wasted the past three years of their life. And basically, they, for three days, thought that everything they had hoped on, everything they had laid their lives down for, was lost. Because they didn't know Easter was coming. Mm. And ever, ever since he said that, I just... It, that whole That whole weekend has taken on a whole new meaning for me. And I try very hard on Good Friday to to understand what what went down and to realize that that until Sunday shows up, it's really not a time of celebration. It's a time of of uh, contemplation and figuring out. You know, I try to put myself in the disciples' shoes at that moment when when they literally had to ask themselves, "Well, I thought he was God, but can God die?" and and to you know to to come to grips with that and figure out what that was like. And then, cause when you do that, when Easter rolls around and you realize that the stone is rolled away and, and Christ is risen, that it gives a whole new meaning to that because, you know, we spend so much time on this podcast talking about story. I mean, I even did the beginning of this one. And the important thing about understanding story is to really put yourself in it. Like, even mm. if you're not a character in that story to put yourself in it, to really, to see, hear, taste, smell, and, and, and touch everything that's going on in that story. And I got to tell you, if I was there, if, if I watched as my Savior died and saw him buried and spent an entire day just in the grips of the tension between, I believe this man is God, but I saw him die, does that mean he's not God? Does that mean that God died? What does this mean? And then on that third day to be like, holy crap, he's back. I, when you put yourself in that story, that 
it 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 rekindles how amazing the Easter story is. Well, it is the fundamental Christian posture, isn't it? You know, when we look at Scripture, all throughout Scripture, whether you are Israelites in the desert, whether you are apostles waiting on the resurrection, whether you are the church waiting on Jesus' return, it, it is the same story played out over and over again. We have devastation and hope. But we have to wait on the hope. You know, I, I can, I'll admit to it, in my own life right now, it's Saturday, man. It's Saturday, and it's been Saturday for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And maybe I kind of sort of at this point in my life are beginning to see the light of dawn. Just those first few rays that tell me Sunday is coming. But it sucks. It sucks to wonder whether the hope that we have is a wasted hope. Because we all get there. You, you all get, we all get there on Saturday. It's the way Saturday is. And you hold on, and you hold on, and sometimes you, you let go because you can't hold on anymore. And the good news is that God does come around. That he keeps his promises, and that he can raise us from the dead. And that, that is, I think, the, just the, the fundamental posture of Christianity. It is what we do. It is what we experience. It's how we respond to God. He asks us to trust, and we have to wait, and we have to trust. And when we trust, he shows up. Yeah. It's definitely at Easter where you start realizing, you know, the, uh, the, the full meaning and, and depth behind the idea of God as a, a trust, trust-keeping promise keeping God the one who you know he if he says this is how it's going to go down then that's exactly how it's going to go down yeah well we missed Easter sorry <laughs> we've caught up now uh, I do actually I, I want to continue on a point though that we were talking about earlier um, you know my daughters made this decision they prayed they they believe that Jesus died on the cross from them they believe that they put their faith in him and that the spirit has come to live in their heart now. And so my wife and I, we wanted to do something to sort of commemorate that and to, to make that uh, a real moment. Well, makes sense. And so uh, it, it happened on uh, a Friday night, I think. Maybe it was a Saturday night. It was a <laughs> Saturday night. And so the next day we are driving to church and my wife kind of says, you know, let's go buy them Bibles. Now, my kids have Bibles, of course. I think every child of every Christian household has a Bible somewhere, right? It's the kid's Bible. Because if the parents didn't buy it, every relative will. Right, exactly. It's the kid Bible with the nice pictures and, you know, a handful of biblical stories. And we have read to our children from those Bibles since they couldn't think yet. And, (laughs) uh... But we wanted them to have their own, a full text Bible. So we went to the store. We went and, uh, turns out, uh, spent way a lot of money on Bibles, which is a whole other conversation we could have. Because it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so we went and we bought them Bibles. And both our kids are at the age now where they can read. And, uh, you know, most Bibles are, are actually written at a fairly readable uh, age level. And we got we made sure to get Bibles that they could read. And so now, for like weeks now, uh, we have had these kids toting these Bibles around. 
you know, and f- for whatever reason, they've got it in their head. They're going to take it in the car with them. And, and so now I have these two little girls who are asking all these random questions about the Bible. <laughs> awesome. And it's, it's, it's interesting because, of course, for me, and in my case, having studied the Bible for like 12 years a- as a profession, and my wife, who grew up in, in the church and has basically spent the entire part of her life in a Bible church, you know, basically having at least one and up to three Bible studies happening in her life at any given moment since she could, you know, think. Um, uh, it's so cool to see these kids who are kind of new. I mean, they know the stories, they know how it goes, and they know what it means, but but they're new to the book. That is so yeah. cool. And, you know, I, I, th- I think about you saying of your Victoriana players, well, what do I do now? That's kind of how they are. <laughs> like, where do I start? What do I read? You know, they're trying to pronounce the crazy Bible names. And they're like, <laughs> there are some doozies in there. You know, Dad, how do you say M-A-L-A-C-H-I? <laughs> you know what, kiddo? I don't know. Probably Malachi or Malachi or something along Malachi. those lines. And uh, so they're like, you know, and, and where's Jesus in the Old Testament? Well, my wife answers, well, he's, he's actually not in the Old Testament. And I kind of pipe up, well, you know, maybe well. he is. And so we're having all of these conversations, mostly in the car, because like I said, for whatever reason, the kids have decided to bring their Bibles in the car whenever we go anywhere. And uh, it's just amazing, and it sh- it's, it shows you how even with somebody who is very young, when you get into the Word and you start looking, I really do believe that God creates in us this excitement, right? And as geeks, we get that, because, man, there ain't nothing like finding something new and digging into it. That, I, mean, I, that, I love it, you know? I I still remember I was um I was looking for I was doing a, a a paper and I I found something and I was reading in this commentary and it was written by it was actually written by my professor at the time and I'm I'm reading his stuff and I go I mm, that doesn't sound right and uh, I I flip through other commentaries and I I'm like. I'm like, wow, I, I think this one's better. And then I started going through and I started digging through the text. And I, I, I started looking through different translations of stuff. And then I'm like, no, I think this guy's, I think this guy's right. And I think my professor's wrong. And while I, I, I don't know how to handle that because I have backing. <laughs> like, like this man who I stand, you know, and, and, you know, basically kneel before, you know, his awe inspiring wonder knowledge of the, this book I call the Bible. And I, I go, I, go, I think you're wrong. <laughs> it's a proud day. Well, you know, I mean, it is the geek. It is the verb form of geek, right? Oh, absolutely. To geek. That's what it is. Is <laughs> to go and to dig through stuff and figure it out and find out all the little stuff and the details and the and and dig, 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 dig into stuff. Yeah, yeah. For me, right now. My life has been about digging down deep into new stuff. That new thing happens to be cutting up animals. I realize, right. folks, that's weird. Get over it. It's my weird, okay? <laughs> and, Don't you mock my weird. Uh, you would not believe how many people say, oh, you're going to kill an animal? 
Well, no. One, I'm not killing it. It's already dead. I'm just cutting it up. Well, you could somebody have, else killed it. Somebody else killed it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you would not believe how many people are, like, horrified at the idea of taking a whole animal and cutting it into small, tasty parts. But, and, and that's besides the point. I'm ranting now. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a new skill for me. It's a new interest for me. And so it's something I'm digging into. I'm trying to find the tool, you know? I'm trying to, to know, okay, so what am I going to need to buy so that when I get my lamb, I can t- break it down, okay? What do I already have? Well, I already have good boning knife, and I, and I already have a cleaver, and I'm going to need a boning saw, though, and I'm going to need some bins, and I'm probably going to need a better work table because I don't think my wife is going to let me use the kitchen table. And <laughs> so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of geeking out on this, right? And, you know, that's exactly what my kids are doing. They're geeking out on the Bible. You know, and I'll tell you the, the one thing that, that I just thought was hilarious. Because my two kids are very different. They look exactly the same, but they're very different. Right. And uh, the little one, who is, uh, like, she is a geek. Okay? Like, she's better than her sister at video games. She's, like, got freaky, like, math science brain, you know? First thing she looks for is the maps. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome so you know yeah I mean it's cool it's cool to watch my kids be like me and go and uh, try to explore the scriptures and, and I'm letting them do it you know I'm not telling them anything I'm just like well, you can just go read it go figure it out see what happens right I'm, it's funny because you talk about you know uh, little kids getting getting their geek on and uh, I'm very excited because my godsons will be at the wedding. And I I don't get to see these guys a lot because you know they're you know they don't live around here. And so basically I usually only get to see them maybe once a year. Well, the basically uh their mom put a picture on Facebook of of the little one who's who's basically he just turned 3. And it's him clutching this thing of Star Wars Legos. And he's he's clutching them for dear life. <laughs> and with these big wide eyes. And I'm like, this picture is adorable. But then she explained that the picture came along with, with a, a a battle cry that he kinda shouted out. Um he held these this uh this Legos tightly. And uh, apparently, when he he opened up the box, he he shouted out, "My very own Mandalorians!" <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's what's more adorable: the fact that you know he pronounced it so adorably, or the fact that at three he knew to call them Mandalorians. That that is hardcore, right there. That is hardcore. But you know what? I actually think. This next generation of kids, like all my daughters and all of my nieces and nephews, of which I have a brood, uh, they're all geeks. Every last oh, one of yeah. them. And they may not be geeks to the level that we were geeks. Not each one of them. Some of them, I think, are. But, but maybe not each one of them. But there will it, always be a remnant. But that's the thing, is it's like... Okay, so my girls growing up, they're learning to play piano because you play an instrument when you're growing up. They go to dance class and to tumbling class because you do a sport when you're growing up. Well, I think now you geek when you're growing up. I think that's just normal. 
Well, there's a lot more ways That's for crazy. Geek to... There's a lot more ways for Geek to express itself that are acceptable to the general populace. Right. As, as opposed to, you know, when we were kids and even the generation before us were kids when there's only one or two and most of them got looked down on for it. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I definitely think that uh, that geek culture has become a prevalent part of... It has just become a portion of our culture. And it's going to be one of those things that it kind of, you know, we were talking earlier about the folk knowledge. It's it, that cultural community knowledge. It's becoming that. It's becoming part of our culture. And uh, so, yeah, it is good. And, you know, we're talking about you. Every time you talk about geeky stuff, people come out of the woodwork and say, hey, can I come play? Yeah. You know, I, that's cool. And uh, I think people like you and people like me get to be the um, ambassadors of that culture. Well, it was it was kind of fun because I just like just threw something out there. And uh, I was talking to one of the guys at church, and I said, you know, it would kind of be fun to do, like, a gamer's Bible study, where basically we get together on a Saturday where we're, where nobody's really worried about, you know, spending, you know, too much time doing other stuff, and uh, just throw a Saturday out there and play, like, card games and stuff, and then read from from the scripture. And I threw that out there, and like guys are like, is, "Is that like a real thing? Like, are we doing that?" Because I, I'm in. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting to see how you know, the idea of of geeks and and God all start to kind of mingle together. Because I mean, even even uh, not only did we miss we we basically this that that one weekend we missed not only an important pivotal day in the Christian calendar, we missed an important pivotal day in the geek calendar because PAX East happened Mm. on Easter weekend. And I was very intrigued by the fact that um, the guys over at GameChurch.com were at PAX East. And they were giving away free t-shirts, and they were talking to people about God, and they were giving away Bibles at PAX East. And, and if you don't happen to know what PAX East is, how do how do we describe the difference between a PAX and like a Comic Con? Comic Con is general admission, right? You got to be a hardcore nerd to know what's going on at PAX. I mean, PAX is all yeah. It is gaming. It is video games. It is web comics. It is. I mean, you are yeah. Well, and, you definitely and, and PAX is of the culture. Right. Oh, Pax. Com- Pax was both birth. Yeah, Pax was both birthed from the culture and has defined the culture. Yeah, and uh, you know, like a Comic Con, that is companies that drive that. And, and Pax, no, th- Pax is now we're kind of getting to that point, but uh, Pax really started and is still, by and large, just geeks. <laughs> who are like, hey, let's go do this. And it's a couple of very specific geeks, but it, it really is an of-the-culture kind of a place. And I think, you know, for ministries to be able to be there, and, you know, I hope that they were just there as part of the group, you know? I, and I'm sure there was a degree of like, okay, well, what are these people doing here? But I hope that, you know, there was a, a degree of acceptance there. Well, yeah, I mean, the the guys at Game Church do an amazing job of 
of uh, they're they're there to talk to people about what the the reason people are there. They're there to talk about video games. They're there to talk about technology and and just geek stuff. And they're talking about you know like what what games are people excited about, and you know they it's not like they force they they like shovel Jesus into that, but you know so many times you know at least for for me and my own personal philosophy I've 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 put it on here I've put it on pretty much everything, the idea that if God really is in charge of your existence you don't have to put him into your conversation he shows up. You don't have to force Jesus or turn conversations to Jesus. He shows up. And so in the context of talking about, you know, cool games and and isn't it amazing what, you know, what we can do with this technology and, and all this cool stuff and, and, and even talking about, you know, that amazing headshot that that guy scored in the Modern Warfare game. I mean, these these guys are are, are connecting with people and building relationships and you know those relationships will lead to conversations about god and yes you can melt faces in a video game and then and then turn around and just show people that you really love jesus and and are willing to show that love to others and so i i love what those guys are doing i if if i lived out in california i would totally just be hanging out with them all the time because they're just they they're just amazing guys i've i've talked to a bunch of them through you know, emails and their forums and Twitter and stuff. And, and, uh, I can say that Mikey Bridges, the founder of game church is one of our fans on our Facebook page. So yay, Mikey. And, you know, you guys are doing awesome stuff and, uh, yeah, just, I'm, it's amazing that, that they get to go to things like PAX. You know, Mike, this is episode 20 of this show, which means we're, we're kind of getting close to a year. Not, not quite there yet. It's crazy, isn't it? We're getting there. And I gotta tell you, maybe it's because my eyes are just open to it a little bit more, but maybe it's actually because there has been some change, even in this short amount of time. I definitely would say that the church is opening up to geeks. Way more than, certainly when I was feeling like an awkward geek in the church years ago. And I hope that maybe the opposite can happen too. That that geeks can open up to the church, even if it's just a little bit. And, uh, you know... It's been less than a year, and I think we've already seen movement in that direction. I think that's a very cool thing. Oh yeah, and I mean, um, I've I've seen a lot of of different stuff. Now, granted, some of this has been around for a while, but it's actually just coming to more and more to light. Like things like the Christian Gamers Guild, which is a, a group of guys on the internet who talk about um, just how they play role playing games, and actually, they have a really solid uh, discussion as to why you know there's there's nothing that's that's anti-biblical or anti-god found in scripture i mean found uh when playing video games you know i think and, i think that and we, we could have a whole other conversation about this and if you want to we can because we're kind of doing a grab bag episode today if you haven't noticed folks uh but i think one of the things that's making a lot of this a little bit more possible i hate to say it is facebook and it's social networking in general. Because it used to be that you would have to go to GameChurch.com if you were interested in, in hanging out with that forum. And if you're going to go to GameChurch.com, well, chances are you're already pretty well self-defined as a Christian geek. Yeah, it's rare that you're going to stumble on their website. I mean, people do. Sure, but... And, and 
but that's hardly the mainstream of their audience. But we've gotten to this this interesting point in our culture where we are completely open now with people sharing their stuff. And so when you're posting about Perception Check or something that you saw in Game Church or something we're doing here on Game Store Profits, and that comes through your Facebook page or it comes through my Facebook page, there's a whole lot of people who wouldn't normally be talking to us about geeky things who see that and who maybe are at the point where they're like, you know, I would like to be involved in that, but I didn't know any of my friends were involved in that, and I was kind of nervous about it. So now I can kind of go and start looking for stuff. Uh, and this this idea of sharing has uh, has kind of become a little bit more prevalent. You know, hey, one little sermonette, folks. Don't slam people who share, okay? Yeah. It ain't your life. What do you care? You know, it doesn't matter. It's, if they're doing something dangerous, if they're doing something sinful, fine. Talk to them in private. That's how it goes. The Bible says so. Uh, but it, what? don't be a hater. Just don't be a hater. It's not necessary. Okay, sermon over. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I love that we're sharing more of our life. And because of that, we get to, even people we know really, really well, or we know tangentially, we didn't know they were into the stuff we were into. And that's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, even a number of the the people that were that are in my Victoriana game, they're either they're coming from backgrounds that would say that 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 games would be you know a gateway to evil, or they're coming out of backgrounds that you know if nothing else they thought you know only geeks who live in basements live in their parents' basements and wear capes would ever be into this kind of stuff, and you know it it's fun just to see them and to. Uh, to have that moment where I'm like, I just look at them and go, "This is why I enjoy doing this." Like, um, just I, at one point, I just kind of sat back as the different the characters were all talking to themselves to each other, and I'm just like, "I I am succeeding right now as as a game master because I have set this scene and all the guys are talking to each other, and I'm just like they're they're enjoying it and they're talking in character and." They're just having a blast. And a bunch of people who, who came into this very apprehensive, like they didn't want to do it, are now coming back saying, okay, when are we playing next? And, I mean, that, uh, you know, I live for stuff like that. I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, sharing the stuff that, that I like and the stuff that, that uh, brings me a lot of, of joy in my existence. I love sharing that with people. Yeah, I mean, that, that's amazing, and I hope that the people who are listening to this show, that you'll go out and do the same. You know, Mike, before I, we close up the show, I had something happen today, and I thought I needed to share it with you, and we're here at the end of the show, so here we go. Ready? Okay. So, uh, my wife is at work. I already mentioned my kids are out of town, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I get myself some microwave leftovers for dinner. And I sit down and I turn on the TV because I'm eating dinner on the couch because my wife's at work and my kids are away. And your kids are away. (laughs) And uh, it happens to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. And what happens to be on the Sci-Fi Channel is WWE Wrestling. Now What? I I don't know. I I don't understand why that's the case, but go with me. That's what was on. All right. I look up on the screen and I see in the ring two wrestlers. The two wrestlers were... Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sergeant Slaughter. Oh my goodness! Yes, isn't that awesome. That was. That I, don't, was I don't know back why. In the day. I don't care why they were there, but it's just amazing. Bring me back 
Randy Macho Man Savage and the Junkyard Dog, and I'd be happy. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I remember back in the day when, when that was part of my geekiness growing up, was I, man, my dad used to pre, used to do the pay-per-view for every WrestleMania, and, and we'd go nuts. My brothers and I, when we were little kids, would go nuts. And uh, I remember we actually uh, we actually watched the, the one year when Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre oh, the Giant. Baby, I, we, oh, I remember that so much. I was watching, uh, I watched the tape my, of that. My my household went ballistic that day. Ah, uh, so yeah, such a so good times. That is the your '80s geek reminiscence for the week. Um, oh my goodness! But I saw that when I I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks for us. Uh, it's good to have the opportunity to talk about Easter, even if it was. Uh, a little bit late, and uh, man, I'm glad that your game has uh, gotten started. We've been looking forward to that. So, I I, I am too. I des with with everything that's going on right now, and and even the stuff I got to do tomorrow. I was very happy to you know kind of step back and and uh, just escape a little bit and have fun and and to to create a world in which you know my friends and soon to be family are. Uh, we're having fun as well, and so that was a cool time. Very cool, man. So how can folks find out more about you? Uh, the biggest way to find me is TinkerStory.com. It is my archive for all my my story fun times, which was, you know, before I was writing Victoriana role-playing games, I was writing Tinker. It's just a, a fun story. It also has links to all my other stuff, all my Twitter and all my uh, my other fun stuff. You can find me at Perception Check, which is Perception-Check.com. Um, that is pretty much my flow over of all things from this podcast that don't necessarily fit within a podcast. Um, I will probably be posting up the, you know, very brief character profiles of my Victoriana characters. Um, and then, you know, another way you can get me is if you email us, we desperately want to hear from you guys. If you email us at uh, gamestoreprofits at gmail.com, I'm usually the guy who picks that, picks up that email. Uh, Luke, how about yourself? How can people get in touch with you? Well, if you want to uh, hear about my geekiness and about my book reviews and those kind of things, you can follow me on Twitter at Luke Navarro. But if you're into cooking and you're into uh, traditional food ways, you're into barbecue, you can follow me on Twitter at Fat of the Land, F-A-T-T-A-T-H-E-L-A-N-D. And uh, you can also check me out on the other show I host, which is called uh, Guys Can Read at Guys Can Read. Dot com to find out more about this show, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com or Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Luke, this, uh, tomorrow, and, and really just later today at this point, but um, I actually have the, the honor of performing the funeral for my great-uncle. Um, his name was Anthony Colantano, and uh, Unc was the kind of guy who, who, was, who always had a smile for everybody. He would always walk to work and he would wave to everybody who passed him by. Um, he's the kind of guy who, uh, he was a pilot, but he, instead of spending most of his time in an airplane, he spent his, most of his time getting flown from ball field to ball field. He, he made it through a war by playing baseball. And, uh, he's just, he's a, he was a, he was a geek before there was a word for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he he's the kind of guy who always had fun stories like when he was shot down and uh he uh was he crash landed in the Sahara Desert 
And he, he, I remember he pulled me aside once. He says, you ever see any of those old movies where it was just a bunch of sand and three guys with a camel? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I saw that. I saw those guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be hard when I, you know, when you say goodbye to a man like that, a man who has just been so amazing to so many people. But uh, tomorrow I get to say goodbye to him and uh, kind of gather with the family and send him off uh, proper. So uh, I, I kind of want to dedicate this episode to him. Um, we miss you, Unc. And, you know, I can't wait to you know get up to heaven and see you again and see how many times you've been uh, just playing baseball. Mm, yeah. so. All right, man, I'm so sorry for your loss. Uh, but I really do trust that tomorrow you're going to be able to go and to lead your family, your friends, uh, in a celebration of your great uncle's life. And to celebrate that because Christ came and he died on the cross, we'll be able to see each other again. And to celebrate, that, that. celebrate that we're all going to rise up together someday. And so folks, always remember, even during the hard times, even on Saturday, that God is the game master. And no matter how the dice fall, The game plays on.